Your reality is spiritual. His truth is His truth. And if we can align with God's reality, we will finally be living by reality. We're looking at um, if you are in His culture, if you're being true to His culture, then, then you release the Spirit. The Spirit is free, feels welcome in that place, and you release the power and authority of His kingdom. Is that the truth? Okay. Today, and so what? We've been talking about the authority of the kingdom, the freedom of the kingdom, um, other aspects of his culture. Today, we're going to talk about faith. Does that sound good? Yeah. Do you guys have some? Faith? A <laughs> little bit? Good. Because we're going to find out that's all you need, just a little bit. <laughs> Um, I thought before we'd start, something I've, I've kind of been neglecting, or maybe I do this a little bit in ways, but I thought God kind of put it on my heart to, to name or define, like, what is his kingdom that we're talking about? What is it really? Besides the fact we have talked about that the kingdom is Jesus. Okay, when he says, be in me, that's being invited to be in his kingdom, right? So that part's easy. Jesus is the king. He is the kingdom. He picks the culture. But, um, you know, there's more. I think it's okay to go ahead and say that the kingdom is everything that his spirit fills, right? The Bible talks about there is the kingdom of this world, okay? And there might be the kingdom of a company you work in. That's a kingdom. You may be trying to build your own kingdom, his kingdom is everything his spirit fills. In other words, it's the entire realm of his actions. As a personal being, it is the realm of him acting so that his will is done. And of course, the word of God tells us he does that through us. How does he act? Through us. Why? Because the kingdom of God is within you. We're going to see that. So that's the kingdom. Everything his spirit fills. Did you know that in the Old Testament, at least in the New King James Version, the word faith only appears twice in the Old Testament? Did you know that? Isn't that odd? I discovered that this week, and I was like, huh? <laughs> so I had to go look, like if there's only two of them, why not go look at them, right? Um, even I can do that. But um, so uh, the first one is in Habakkuk, and we're actually going to look at these. I'm going to do this really quickly because there's so many good things that we're going to see this morning. There's such a powerful word. I know it. Um, but in Habakkuk chapter 2 and verse 2 is, where, is one of these places where, where faith is mentioned. And um, it's really telling. Here it says, Then the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision and make it plain on tablets, that he may run who reads it. Now that's encouraging. Write it on tablets so they can run from it when they hear this. You got, you got a picture of that? Okay. For the vision is yet for an appointed time. Okay. In other words, what he's telling this prophet to write is not for that time. It's for a future appointed time. And he says, but at the end it will speak and it will not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it. Because it will surely come, it will not tarry. Behold the proud, his soul is not upright in him. Now listen to this. But the just shall live by faith. Now, knowing that it's only mentioned twice in the Old Testament, I'm going to tell you that this, this sentence, but the just shall live by faith, appears three times in the New Testament. It's quoted three times in the New Testament in Romans, Galatians, and Hebrews. We're going to look at one of those places this morning. And so it's for an appointed time. Now I'm going to tell you that we live in that time. Now very quickly, go with me to Deuteronomy chapter 32, and we're going to look at the only other of two places that the word faith is mentioned in the Old Testament. This is even more telling. Look what this shows us. Here in um, uh, chapter 32, verse 19. It says, and when the Lord saw it, he spurned them. Be now, there's so much here. Okay, I could teach on this, but I'm, I mean, I could tear this apart, but I'm not going to because we're going to get to other stuff. But 
It goes on and says, because of the provocation of his sons and daughters. What does that mean? The Lord's being provoked, right? In other words, they're, they're doing evil. They're straying from him. That's, that's provoking the Lord, okay? And, and he said, I will hide my face from them. I will see what their end will be. Why? For they are a perverse generation. And then the next thing he does is define perverse generation. They are a perverse generation, children in whom is no faith. It was just identified that lack of faith is perverse, is evil. Okay? And it says, they have provoked me to jealousy by what is not God. In other words, look. Let's talk about faith for just a second. What is it? It's what you put your reverence in, right? When you have faith, you, you give it some fear, you give it some regard or some reverence. You, you trust it for something, right? So how are they provoking him? They have no faith. And, and God is provoked to jealousy, right? Next, he's going to identify it as idolatry. Lack of faith being synonymous with idolatry. He says, they have moved me to anger by their foolish idols. You understand what that is? So in other words, that's, that's putting your, your reverence, your regard, your trust in something other than the living Lord, right? Idolatry. It's perverse. It's the opposite of keeping your faith in him. Those are the two times faith is mentioned in the Old Testament. Isn't that something? Now, I'm just going to say something he put on my heart really quickly, and then we're going to start digging. Um, you realize that, that um, first of all, faith is a gift from God. We could go look at where it says that. Um, you cannot work to get faith. You, you cannot increase your faith all by yourself. You can't decide, I'm going to have an increase of faith. I'm going to have a stronger faith, can you? <laughs> okay, it's a gift from God. He grants faith. Okay, and I'm going to tell you, we, we don't have time to teach through this this morning, but I'm just going to put this out there because we have this going on in this church. We are pouring efforts this way by God's leading. Um, you know that God increases faith in, in his plans in the earth with generations, from cover to cover in this book, it's the story of the next generation bringing a greater outpouring, a greater anointing of faith than the last. And he hasn't quit doing that. He's still doing that. And we're actually putting out effort in this church by God's leading to make sure that we're being obedient to what he's asking to, to encourage younger generations. That's not just because we like young people or, well, there's a demographic we could target. <laughs> It's because his plans are, are that, that, that these younger generations, whether we like it or not, they're going to bring a kind of faith that we don't have to the kingdom of God. They're going to release anointings that we haven't seen before. You see, it's God's plan. He brings faith through the generations. So why is our, why is our bulletin starting to look really strange and weird? Well, it's because it's, it's kind of for newer generations. Um, I could name a whole bunch of other things we're doing around here that probably strike us as weird, but it's obedience to God that we are um, changing worship, we're changing bulletins, we're moving with him in obedience. It's for faith. I had to put that out there. It's because new, these generations are going to bring faith like we haven't seen before. Not because they have it, but because God's going to give it to him and that's give it to them and that's the way he does things. Do you believe that? Yes. Is that true? Sometimes we don't like to hear that. Like, what's wrong with my faith? I mean, the new generation is weird. Bunch of weirdos. How can they have more faith than me? Well, because God. <laughs> okay. Does anybody have the goal of advancing God's kingdom? Cool. We're going to talk about that this morning. Do you want to be more effective, more authorized, more powerful for the advancing of God's kingdom? And I promise that this is a life-changing word. Okay? This is, if you receive this today, I don't always say this. You know I don't. If you receive this today, it can be life-changing. Okay? Go with me. Start with me at Luke 17. See, I'm going to give you the secret right out of the chute. 
If advancing the kingdom is your mission, then the currency is faith. Did you catch what I said? The currency, so what you have to spend on the advancing of God's kingdom is faith. Now, if you're trying to advance some other kingdom, um, your own or, or, or whatever, the currency may be something else. It might be money or something, but not in God's kingdom. The currency that you have to spend is faith. Um, here in Luke chapter 17 and verse 20, um, Jesus is speaking to the Pharisees and actually they're asking him a question. It says, Now when he was asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them and said, The kingdom of God does not come with observation, nor will they say, See here or see there. Like here it is. You see the kingdom? And he's saying, because, For indeed the kingdom of God is within you. Okay, so that's got to be our starting point. Um, many of you were saying your goal is to advance the kingdom. So where are you advancing it with him? In you, right? That's where the kingdom's advancing. Of course, it spills over into power and authority to have his will be done, but the kingdom's advanced within you. That's got to be our starting place. Um, now, we're going to move through some quickly and then we're going to stop and focus on some passages, okay? Go with me to Hebrews 11 and verse 5. Y'all know Enoch? He was so pleasing to God, he was just taken. Well, here, here's, here's his little spot, okay? Verse 5. By faith, Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death. That just makes me go, wow, I'm so jealous. So, like, take me. <laughs> hey, I'm sincere. I, <laughs> I am. I'm sincere. I, I, there's so many things that God's made that I love, but if, if it, I'm ready. <laughs> he did not see death and was found was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony. See, now it's going to say why he was taken. It was because he had this testimony. What testimony? He pleased God, that he pleased God. Now it, tells, now it goes on and says, but without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he who comes, well, we'll go there. To just get that first of all. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Do you realize heaven is not even a place that you would want to be unless you were a creature that was made ready for it? The perfection and the glory of God would be torment for someone who's not fitted for that place. That's why he took Enoch. He's, so He's like, my man, you're ready. <laughs> That's why I'm like, yeah, that would mean I, I had been made ready. I'll take it <laughs> by the gift of God. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. Okay, and he, it goes and says, for he who comes to God must believe, and it's going to give us two things. One, that he is, and second, that he, God, is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Do you see how faith was connected with this? He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. What, do, what does he reward? Those who seek him. Okay, that's, you've got to hold that. That's going to be really powerful as we go forward, really important. Okay? All right, jump with me to Romans chapter 1 and verse 16. Now, um, the, the interesting part of this is, right, so we're in, we're in Romans chapter 1. In other words, we're at the very beginning of a letter Paul writes to the church of Rome. So much of the, the Bible is letters. And I used to kind of skip over the beginning of the letters and stuff because I kind of thought, oh, it's just the introduction to the letter. Let's jump over here and study the meat, right? But I've started to really gain an appreciation for the beginning of these letters, and this is why. Um, I've found that it's in these introductions and the greetings and things like that that what the writers really just kind of believe like in a matter-of-fact way squirts out. 
Do you know what I mean? They're not even teaching yet. It may not even really be the topic of the letter, but this is so ingrained in who they are. They are so in the culture of the kingdom of God that it like it squirts out in the introduction to the letter. And that's what we're going to read here, starting in verse 16, something that squirts out of Paul. He says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. And then here it is in verse 17. He says, For in it, in what? The gospel of Christ, for in it, so it's for in the gospel of Christ, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. And you got to think about that one for a minute. What, what did he just say? The righteousness of God. In other words, the very nature, who he is, the revelation of God is revealed, f- what? From faith to faith. In other words, there's almost a, um, a, a kingdom principle here, okay? Almost like... Um, like an equation, okay? As, as faith increases, as you go from one faith to a greater faith, God's revealed. As God's revealed, you're brought to a greater faith. Does that make sense? Now that I've said that, let's just read that again. For in it, in the gospel of Christ, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. Have you ever prayed for your faith to be increased? (laughs) What happened? You can tell me later. (laughs) I think many of you have heard me talk about it before. When when Sandra and I prayed for our faith to be increased, (laughs) everything falls apart. He says, oh, okay, you want your faith to be increased? Um, He'll do it. He'll answer that prayer. (laughs) Is that the experience, those of you who said yes? Did you watch it fall apart then and watch his power? He creates circumstances where his presence, where he is actually needed, and that's the increasing of faith. We're going to kind of go there and talk about that, but um, from faith to faith. And then it goes on, and then here's the place that that the Old Testament is quoted. It goes on and says, um, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Now, I want to tell you, it's kind of important to to get a handle on what that's actually saying. The just shall live by faith. In other words, it's saying what what the just, you, who's just, justified in the blood of Christ, right? You're his, shall live by faith. In other words, in our culture, you know, two guys walk up to each other and I say, hi, I'm Paul, and and hi, I'm I'm Elmo. And and the next thing you say is, what do you do? In other words, what do you live by? What's your means? What, what provides for you? Here it says they, they live by faith. It's that foundational what's going on here. It's the currency of his kingdom. It's the account that you have to spend to the glory of God is your account of faith. It's what you live by. Does that make sense? If you're questioning me right now and you're kind of going, man, is it? Is that right? Is that true? I just want to say that's a good thing. Just keep walking with me. We're, God's going to prove it in his word before we're done, okay? It's the currency. It's what you live by. Okay, briefly, um, we're going we're gonna to take a glance at a story that many of you probably know. Simon the Sorcerer, okay? Um, so if you want to turn there, I'm not sure how much of it we're going to read because um, we've got to get to the good stuff. But in Acts chapter 8, we may be starting around verse 14. Actually, yep, we're going to go ahead and, and just read a touch of this. Starting in verse 14, this is the setting. It says, Now when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them who, when they had come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Now, why did they do that? It says, For as yet he had fallen upon none of them. They had only been baptized, in other words, water baptism, in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. So get a load of this. They noticed that this was was a bunch of people who'd been water baptized but not baptized in the Spirit. 
they'd not received the Spirit. And they're like, wow, that's a problem. That's not okay. So they, they sin to correct the problem. And they lay hands, and it's as easy as this. They lay hands on them and impart the Spirit. They have the baptism of the Spirit. It's that, it's that easy. And that you're going to see in a minute why I'm emphasizing it's that easy. Okay? Because what happens next is enter Simon the sorcerer. So verse 18 says, And when Simon saw that through the laying of the apostles' hands the Holy Spirit was given, he offered them money, saying, Give me this power also that anyone on whom I lay uh, hands may receive the Holy Spirit. Now, I know, right away we're like, ooh. But I want to tell you, I think, um, I actually think his desire is holy. I mean, think about it. He's, he sees the Holy Spirit coming upon people, the authority and the power of God coming upon people. Why wouldn't he desire to share in that? What, what is evil or wrong about this? Do you know what it is? He's a, that's right. He's applying the wrong kingdom's currency. He just has a misunderstanding how it, wa- how it works. He's not trying to steal it. He's perfectly willing to pay for it with the currency that he has. Now, the interesting thing is there's a whole group of people that Simon just watched. What currency did they bring? Faith. And they freely receive. God freely loves you and you freely receive the things that are for those who believe, that are citizens of the kingdom, you freely get. They, they freely receive this. Simon's using the current, he wants to use the currency of the world to receive the things of the kingdom. Faith is what you have to spend in the kingdom of God. Is that right? Okay, and so on verse 20, Peter said to him, your money perish with you because you thought that the gift of God could be purchased with money. He doesn't say because you thought it could be purchased. He says because you think it could be purchased with money, right? You have neither part nor portion in this matter. What's the matter? The kingdom of God. He's saying you have, you have neither part nor portion in the kingdom of God. Not with that understanding, not where your heart is now. For your heart is not right in the sight of God. Okay, I just felt like God, God put it on my heart that before we move into the, the really incredible, incredible stuff, that it's, it's important to get a handle on the fact that faith is the currency of the kingdom. It's, it's what you have it's what you have to spend. And there is a clear example of someone who doesn't understand kingdom culture, wants to apply the rules of the world. This is everything we've been talking about for months. Here's a guy who wants to apply the rules of the world, how the world works, to the kingdom of God, and he has no part in the kingdom of God. Okay, um, go to, actually I do have a couple a couple more to kind of lay this foundation. So go to Mark um, chapter 4 and verse 24. I'm going to give you a kingdom principle here. God gives you a kingdom principle here. You've heard it before. This won't be totally new for you. Here it says, Then he said to them, Jesus says to them, Take heed what you hear. With the same measure you use, it will be measured to you. And to you who hear, more will be given. For whoever has, listen to this, here's the principle. For whoever has, to him more will be given. But whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. That's a kingdom principle. Did you get that? If you have, more will be given. If you don't have, even the tiny bit you have will be taken away. Um... Anybody like to shop? I'm not a big shopper unless it's like internet for gear or gear or something, tools. But um, like to, is there anyone in here who loves to find a great sale? So you can save money, right? <laughs> and and I'm, always, I'm always saying to Sandra, she's awesome, she's very frugal or whatever, but I'm always saying, you know, I've got, there's the sale or um, Kohl's cash. 
Y'all Kohl's cash people? <laughs> I'm always saying, okay, you cannot save money by spending it. <laughs> you, you definitely cannot increase your bank account by spending money, no matter how good the sale is, right? And I'm going to tell you, what this just said is God's kingdom is upside down, okay? This is, you got to get this. This is God's kingdom. Um, how do you increase your faith? You spend some, okay? If the, the one who has faith will get more. And, and we're, we're about to point out that the word of God is very clear. Is you don't get more just because you have a big bank account of faith, okay? The way you increase your faith, very biblically, very truthfully in the kingdom of God, the way you increase your faith is by spending the faith you already have. It's totally backwards. You cannot go to Kohl's and get more money by spending it. But in the kingdom of God, you get more faith when you spend what you have. When you step out with him, when you participate in obedience with your faith, even if it's a tiny seed. He says, I'll take that and I've got more faith for you. I'm going to show you this, okay? Okay, let's go to Romans 12, one chap, uh, verse 1. Romans 12, 1. Perhaps one of the most famous scriptures, most of us have probably read it, a lot of us have probably even studied it. It's the therefore. Paul's been, throughout the, the book of Romans, he's been laying out the most concise. You can't write a better theology textbook than Paul did in the first 11 chapters of Romans. People try all the time, but you can't. And then you get to chapter 12, and it's him saying, well, therefore, if all of this theology is true, he says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. So just gather that at the, at the beginning of this, he is talking about your reasonable service, okay? Therefore, this is what's reasonable, and it's, it's service, okay? And verse 2, and he says, And do not be conformed to this world, does that make you think of Simon the Sorcerer at least a little bit since we just read it? Don't be conformed to this world. Don't apply the rules of this world to what I'm about to talk about. He says, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. This is a particular mind renewal that, that is pointed out just next. The renewing of the mind that's being spoken of here is that you may prove... What is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God? In other words, um, prove. In other words, manifest, show true. It doesn't mean prove like, like um, scholars do in, in, um, you know, in the synagogue or, or in the, the Bible college. Prove it with references and things. It means be a prover of the will of God. Do you want to be a prover of the will of God? So do I. And that's what this is talking about, to be a prover of the will of God, to manifest the kingdom of God, one who manifests the kingdom of God. And then in verse 3, he says, For I say, through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly. Okay, so in other words, you've got to apply humility to it. Of course, this is everything we've been teaching like the last two weeks. It's in, the author it's in the chain of authority of the kingdom of God. Yes? But now here's why we're reading this. And it says, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. You see, it's measured. In other words, I'm, I'm trying to help you realize that I could have picked a whole bunch of other places, but I'm trying to help you realize that the word of God establishes faith as the currency of the kingdom. A currency is something that, that's measured. People throughout the scriptures in, in their dealings with Jesus, in their conversations with Jesus say, increase my faith. You see, you can't increase something that's not measured. 
And the Word of God just said that to each is given a measure. Other places, I think before we're done, we'll, we'll look at it. But um, Jesus specifically prays for individuals. In one case, for sure, he prays for Peter that, that his faith would be maintained. It's, do you know that it's his desire that your faith is increased? Look at somebody and say, he wants to increase my faith. Why? Because it's what you have to spend for the, to glorify God. Faith, you cannot please God without faith. Why? Because it's what you have to spend. It's what you have to apply towards the purposes of God. He gives it as a gift. You don't get it on your own. He grants a measure of faith. It's the freedom. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. Freedom for what? To be who He's made you to be. And the currency that you have, the account that he grants you is faith. Okay? Okay. That was our introduction. <laughs> I'm not joking. <laughs> you know he wants to increase your faith. Do you want your faith to be increased? <laughs> Lord, bless this. Okay, you see I've got my boat up here. This is the boat of faith. Anybody want to get in the boat? Yeah. <laughs> We're going to look at two boat stories, and they're both, I don't think it's a coincidence at all. Okay, Jesus um, often, it, it, lately it's been striking me how often in the Gospels that Jesus wants to take them to the other side. I'm thinking, man, it's like back and forth. You got to go the other side over there. You get in another boat. You go. He's always taking them to the other side. And I'm starting to realize that there's something going on here. Um, there's more faith on the other side. And they gain it on the way over. <laughs> the, the grass is greener on the other side. Is that why you laughed? <laughs> it's true. He's always trying to take you from one place to another place because he wants to increase your faith on the way. And when you get over to the other place, you have more faith, which means you're, you have more power and authority. You're more authorized and more full of power to be a prover of the, of the will of God in this place. How does he tell us to pray? That your, your kingdom come. What does that mean? The realm of your spirit come. The, your authority and your power come so that your will is done here like it is in heaven. How does he do it? He takes you from one place to another place and on the way over, he increases your faith. So when you get there, you're more authorized. In other words, you have more legal standing and you're more full of power to be a prover of the will of God. Do you want that? Um, I crazy nuts want that. And he loves you so much that that's what he wants for you. He's ever inviting you to go to the other side with him. Every day, I'm telling you, every, every morning, like the song, he paints the sunrise with miracles in it because he has an invitation for you to go from one place to a place of greater faith with him so that you're his partner. You're the author. You reign in the kingdom of God with him. All right. I'll focus back. Uh, go with me to Mark chapter 4 and verse 30. This is our first boat story. I'm going to move over here so you can see the boat. <laughs> okay, so here, um, Jesus is giving a parable of the kingdom. It's one of the times when he says the kingdom of heaven is like. Why does he do that so often? He wants you to understand the kingdom culture. He wants you to know what the kingdom is like so that you're, you're an effective citizen, king, priest, and prophet in that kingdom. That's why he does that so often. Okay? So he's doing that here and he says, then he said to what shall we liken the kingdom of God? Or with what parable shall we picture it? It's like a mustard seed, which when it is sown on the ground is smaller than all the, I'm sorry, that gets really dim here on me, is smaller than all the seeds on the earth. But when it is sown, it grows up and becomes greater 
than all the herbs and shoots out large branches so that the birds of the air may nest under it. So um, when he says, what shall we liken the kingdom of God to, just note it, next week I think we're going to talk about this a lot. But this morning we're going to kind of skim over it. Just notice now that when he says, what shall we liken the kingdom of God to, he starts to talk about faith. Just a teeny faith that grows into a big faith. Okay? The righteousness of God is revealed, what? From faith to faith. Now, skip about two verses, go down to verse 35, and it's the beginning of our story. I just couldn't start the boat story until you realize that, he ju- that the progression of Scripture here is that he just told a parable about the kingdom that is grounded on the concept of faith. And then now, here comes the story. Because see, I'm going to tell you why. This is God does this all the time. You see, he's teaching about faith with my mouth right now. I promise you, you're going to walk out of here and he is very relationally because he's crazy nuts in love with you. He's going to begin doing things in your life to actually teach about faith in your life. I promise. The moment when I said, do you want your faith to be increased or do you want to be a kingdom advancer and you used your voice to say yes, God made plans. (laughs) It's true. I know it's true. And that's what's going on here. He taught them up on a hillside or in a synagogue. I'm not sure where they're at. In a nice peaceful place, he tells them the parable and then they start walking together, abiding, right? They're just abiding with him. They're just going along and this is what happens next. He's going to teach it in reality in their lives like he's about to do with you. So here in verse 35, it says, On the same day when evening had come, he said to them, Let us cross over to the other side. Now, I just need you to notice right off the bat, it was Jesus' idea. He said, let's cross over to the other side. I have no idea, you know, what he's thinking. You know, he's probably got plans on the other side. But what we're about to find out is he just wants to cross over to the other side because he's got plans on the way. Okay? Let's cross over to the other side. Verse 36 says, Now when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was. And other little boats were also with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat, so that it was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on a pillow. He's in the storm. You've got to love him. <laughs> and they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we're perishing? Okay? So look, they're in great fear out there they are fearing what are they giving their reverence to at the moment the storm the storm is getting their 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 faith the power to impact them their faith is in the storm is in the the things of this world is in natural things at this moment okay then he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea just as jesus Peace be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. Okay, so Jesus calms the storm, and he said to them, now this is what he says to the disciples. Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? Now listen, it's very tempting, and the truth is, it it may be true too, but you, you instantly think that he's rebuking them, right? Like, why are you so fearful? (laughs) What's the matter with you? And I don't think that's what he's doing. How many of you in your intimacy, in your conversation with your king, do you have times when he poses a question at you? And is it necessarily because he's rebuking you? Um, I'm just going to say for me personally, most of the time I know when God poses a question at me, I'm like, ooh, I'm about to grow (laughs) because I'm convinced he he knows the answer already and it's for me to find out because there's growth in the answer right and I think that's what he's doing here he says he says why are you so fearful and I think he really wants him to answer it 
Why is it that these natural circumstances inspire your reverence and your, your worship, really? Faith that they can do something to you. Why? If you could answer that, there's growth there, right? And how is it that you have no faith? Now, verse 41 is even more insightful, and it's really the reason we're reading it. Look at that with me. And it says, And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, Who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? Now, look what happened. They started fearful and they ended fearful. <laughs> but is it the same fear? What happened? They transferred the place of their reverence. The place of their fear got transferred from one place to another. First, their reverence and their fear was in the storm. Is that right? And they end the story fearful because they've seen the king. They've seen the kingdom of God overcome anything that, that the natural things of this world could throw at them was overcome by the king. And the place where they end up is they fear exceedingly. And, and what did they say? They said to one another, who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? Their reverence is not on the natural storm anymore. The reverence is on him. That's a different faith. The place of their faith has changed. It's his idea. Let's go over to the other side. Why? Because he loves them so much, he has a plan to increase their faith. And what did we read? The righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. Each time your faith is increased, you see God. His nature, his love for you, his plans for you, his ability, his power and his authority, who he is to you is revealed from faith to faith. And I also want you to notice, because we're going to see this in the next boat story. Um, faith is increased relationally. Okay, you've got to have this. You, you don't have an increase in your faith because you read a passage in the Bible. You never will have your faith increased by reading your Bible. You just won't. You will not have your faith increased by, by taking a college Bible course. It won't happen that way. <laughs> Real faith increase will only come in relationship, in acts of obedience, walking with Jesus. It will happen when you're out there in the storm. I challenge you to find a place in the scriptures where, where there's a real increase of faith in his people and they're not in the midst of an obedience. It's an encounter with Jesus. You see, Jesus is the author and perfecter of our faith. So, so let me just say that your, your faith will not be increased except for in relationship, in, in actual encounter with the real person, Jesus, is where your faith is going to be increased. It's going to be in circumstances where you need the presence of your King, Jesus where you need an actual action. Look, if you're living a life where you're not engaged in the things of the kingdom where you actually need his presence to come and do it, then you really shouldn't be expecting an increase in faith because that's how it happens. Increase in faith, increasing the currency that you have to spend on the advancement of the kingdom for the glory of God. Increasing that, you can increase all kinds of faith. Increasing that faith is walking in relationship with your king, is doing ministry with him, is abiding, going where he goes in reality. Amen? See, because what I didn't tell you, okay, now here I go. In the Romans 12 chapter, you know what Paul talks about just next? What does he say? Let's go back to that for a minute. 
Romans 12. So we ended at, um, God, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. That's if you're struggling there, Liz. That's verse 3. And then you know what he does next? He goes on and talks about being members of a body and then immediately starts talking about spiritual gifts. In fact, he says, he says having the gifts, in verse 6, having then gifts differing according to the grace, grace translates directly as the word power, having the grace that is given to us. And then he goes on, let us prophesy, let us teach, let us, and he starts lifting, listing gifts. Why does he immediately go into a discussion of spiritual gifts and a portion of grace right after he's, right after he's talking about this faith, a measure of faith that's given? That's why. You see, his, his righteousness is revealed from faith to faith the way faith is increased is by walking with him in actual experience where his power is needed you bring a seed and he says i'll take that seed and i'll do it and when you see me act in power you'll have increased faith so faith is not increased on your couch Okay, I mean, I guess it could be if you're an intercessor. I'm <laughs> Faith is really increased in the boat, out there, trusting that, that you are a king, a priest, and a prophet in his kingdom. He has plans for you to bring about that will, to be a prover of his will. And each time he proves it, his righteousness is revealed. You see him and your faith is increased. Your bank account is increased. His kingdom is the one kingdom where the more you spend, the bigger your account gets. The more you hoard, the more it will be stolen. I think before we're done, we're going to look at the enemy's plan. God's plan for you is to increase your faith from faith to faith to faith with ever himself being revealed. The enemy's plan is to steal from your account. And the more your faith sits around and gets stinky, the easier it is for the enemy to steal from your account. Okay, let's do another boat story. Matthew 14 and verse 22. There's a lot of humor in this one. At least I find a lot of humor. You know God has a great sense of humor. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> okay, in verse 22. Immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he sent the multitude away. Now catch this one. This, this scenario is a little different. He's not getting in the boat with them. <laughs> He's going, get in the boat. <laughs> You're going to the other side. What's he doing? This is going to go back to our last two weeks of messages. Um, in verse 23 it says, And when he had sent the multitude away, why is he sending the multitude away? I think I heard it back here, abiding. Did somebody say abiding? He's about to abide. It goes on and says, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. He's going to abide. Why is he going to go abide? This is the last two weeks. Because he's, he's, he's about to need some power and authority <laughs> to do the mission that the Father has for him in the next 24 hours. And Jesus is going, okay, you guys get started. I'm going to go abide with my father, okay? That's what I had to do that since we've been doing that for two weeks. And there it is. Um, and it says, Now when evening came, he was alone there, abiding. That's my commentary. But the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. Okay? Now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a ghost. They cried out for fear. Okay, so here we go. We're starting in fear again. Um, first, they're, they're fearing the same thing as the last story, right? 
the things of this world, the nature and whatever. And then here comes Jesus. They're also, fearing, they're also misunderstanding. Do you know that you can misunderstand the revelations God's bringing into your life at first? Do you know that? You're in the middle of a storm. He's about to manifest his glory so that he can be revealed so that your faith is increased. And you're looking going, I don't know if I want this. <laughs> right? That's, tr- that's true for us too. Um, one thing I can tell you pretty much for sure is when, when God is getting ready um, to reveal his glory to you, to take you from one place to another, it's almost always going to be strange, unexplainable, and scary. It's not going to make sense to your normal world, <laughs> God's glory. Okay, that's what's going on here. And I love what Jesus says next. He said, but immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, be of good cheer. Can you imagine that? They're terrified in the storm and what he has to say is, be of good cheer. (laughs) And he says, it gets really dim here. It is I, do not be afraid. Okay, now now here it comes with Peter. Okay, and Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And I'll tell you, I think Jesus is so proud of Peter at this moment. Um, Peter is trying to make sure he has a real relationship. That's what we just read. If it's you, prove it. You could look at a negative aspect of that, but you know what? At least at the moment, God's not leading me to do that. As I studied this, I felt like I could almost feel Jesus' pride over Peter. So what's Peter saying? Give me an obedience that will increase my faith. Whoops. Isn't that right? Give me an obedience. If, if it's you, tell me to come to you, Lord. And Jesus rewards it. He's a, he's a rewarder of those that believe that he is. And what's the second half? Somebody help me out. I just blanked. Believe that he is. And that he's a rewarder of those who seek him. Thank you. And he's a rewarder. So what does he say to Peter? So he said to him, come. And Peter had come out of the boat. He walked on the water to go to Jesus. Now, verse 30. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, saying, Lord, save me. So, so what happened? Okay. First of all, do you think Peter's faith, his bank account, his currency, was increased as, as he began walking out on the water to Jesus? I think so, too. But what else? Then what happened? When, when did he start to sink? The minute he took his eyes off of Jesus. The minute the natural circumstances inspired more reverence than his reverence for Jesus. More fear than, than, than the fear or the, the trust that he gave to Jesus, he immediately began to sink. Now, if that's the only thing you heard this morning, just take that as a word. (laughs) I have a feeling the next time he walks on water, so to speak, he'll keep his eyes more on Jesus. I just have that feeling. Jesus said, come. He had a whole increase your faith, Peter. I'm going to increase your faith plan. He made the plan. The faith is his gift. Peter can't conjure the faith. Jesus increases his faith. Jesus gives him the faith in actual experiences with Jesus. In abiding is where the faith is increased. The bank account gets bigger. The currency is greater to be a prover of God's will. Right? Is that what we see? I'm going to show you one more thing, and we'll, we'll kind of start wrapping up. Um, it goes on, and verse 31, it says, And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him. That's the good news. When your, fa- <laughs> when your faith falters, like mine does a lot, he's always real quick to catch you. Okay, so it's okay. And said to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? You see, there's another one of those questions. I don't think he's being rebuked. I really don't. I think Jesus is really asking, why did you doubt? 
And I think there's growth for Peter when he answers that question. Do you agree? Yeah. And in verse 32, it says, now, now listen to this. And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. <laughs> what does that tell us? Say that again. Faith lesson accomplished its purpose, right? Who was the author of the storm? Who was the plan maker? And why? Because he's crazy in love with you. He has all kinds of plans exactly like that for your life. Because he loves you like that. He's got a storm planned, and I'm telling you what, as soon as you graduate, <laughs> as soon as you graduate and and your faith comes to the to where he wants to bring where he wants to bring it because he loves you he'll cease the wind he is the author and perfecter of your faith that's the good news <laughs> you don't have to grovel and beg and work hard what do you got to do abide go with jesus Trust that he really does have a plan to increase your faith. That's it. Trust is love. As, listen, as long as the natural circumstances, challenges, lies and deceit of this world inspire more reverence out of you than Jesus does, you're stuck where you're at, period. The world's got nothing for you. And the currency of the world is about to burn. But faith, I'm convinced you know people think faith is just for this time. I've never thought that. At this point, if you want to disagree with me, that's fine because I don't have a scripture to back it up. I'm just thoroughly convinced that faith is eternal. You're going to need it as much in the kingdom of God as you need it now. He's building you to be a creature that is fitted and ready to, to dwell in the next age of his kingdom. A creature that is full of faith. When the, the word of God says when he returns to the earth, will he find faith? Why will it be so important for him to find faith when he returns to the earth if he's about to write everything and you're not going to need it? That doesn't make any sense. Faith is the currency of the kingdom. Who wants a big bank account? Start spending some faith. <laughs> Start spending some faith. Let him make a testimony. Let him reveal his glory. You see, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. In order to increase your faith, you've got to spend some. You've got to step. You've got to keep your eyes on Jesus rather than the fearfulness of your circumstances. Okay, the Lord's put it on my heart really to, to have a moment of, of uh, ministry here before we leave today. Um, I'm going to read one more scripture and I'm going to remind myself why I'm doing that. <laughs> oh, so good. Okay, you know Jesus prays for you. He intercedes to the Father on your behalf. You know what he prays about? Now, probably all kinds of things, but one of the things that he prays about is your faith. I'm going to show you in a story just, just quickly, and this is going to lead to something that I firmly believe your king wants to do for you because he loves you like this, and he wants to do it for some of you right now, okay? Go to Luke 22 and verse 31. Um, it's our buddy Peter again. And this is just before Peter's about to deny him three times, okay? And here it says, And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, indeed Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. It kind of gives me, kind of makes my spine tingle. <laughs> I'm glad I'm not in those shoes right now, but that's a storm, right? You know, you've, you know that um, God allows you to be sifted as well? Why? Why? What was that? Increase your faith. Because he loves you. Because he wants you to have more faith. He wants you to stand proved. 
And that's what he's doing. And he says, but I have prayed for you. That's what Jesus says to Peter. But I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. Now listen to what he says next. And he says, and when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. Why does he say that? In other words, Jesus has absolute certainty that his prayer is answered. He doesn't say, if you return to me. He says, when you return to me. And then what does he say? When you return to me, strengthen your brethren. Why? Do you know that you can't give what you don't have? Do you know why the most powerful healers in the kingdom of God are people who've been powerfully healed? The most powerful bondage breakers of oppression and evil over people's lives are people who have had great oppression and evil broken off of their life. You only have to give what's in your account, (laughs) the faith that he has created in real experience with him. Right? And so he's able to say... When you come on back, strengthen your brothers. You're going to have a strength from what's about, from the sifting that's about to happen, my ability to hold you no matter what, no matter how far off course you go, and it's going to be a certain type of faith that you can strengthen your brothers with. Will you do that for me, Peter? That's what this is. I've got a storm for you to go through, and on the other side, you're going to have a bigger account. Okay, here's what I want to do. Um, If you're comfortable with it, just get relaxed. Close your eyes if you're comfortable with that. Just ask the Holy Spirit to come. He's already there with you. Ask him to make himself real. Make his presence and his love for you real. Take some deep breaths. Let him begin to minister inside of you. And for some of you, I firmly believe he's going to answer these questions immediately for you. For others, this may be the start of a conversation. Ask him to bring to your mind one place, one situation in your life where you need to see him in power on your behalf. Ask him what place he wants to do that for you. Now, if you received something from the Spirit, I have one more question. Ask him what step of obedience he would have you take to spend some faith toward it. What seed of faith in a step of obedience would he have you take to call forth his power and authority for you in that situation? We thank you, Jesus, that we are your inheritance and that we cannot even imagine your love for us. We do ask you in this body and and individually, each of us, Lord, we ask that you would increase our faith. And I am declaring in the name of Jesus that the enemy shall lose his grip 
on the stealing of faith, on the lowering of the accounts of the people in this place. We, we thank you for the authority to bind the enemy in this way. And Lord, we ask that your spirit would be free to be authoring circumstances in our lives, starting with the, even the conversations you've just started with people, Lord, that you would be authoring circumstances for the increasing of our faith so that we can be a people that are pleasing to you provers of your will and we ask Lord that you would bless us so that we would be proving your will more and more powerfully more and more frequently throughout this community in our families in this church that this that your spirit of wisdom and freedom would be breaking out in our lives in the name of Jesus make us a people of such great faith that your reputation goes out before us that right out of this body situations can be changed breakthroughs are going to come health is going to come into people's lives the breaking of bondages is going to happen in people's lives for your glory father I pray a blessing over everyone here who loves you that they would have a deep sense of your love over them in the name of Jesus, and that, and that you would grant them the grace and the ability to walk with you into the scary places where their faith is increased. In the strong name of Jesus, we pray. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen.